The Sport Industry Access Podcast, episode 88. How important is goal clarity in sports and in general life? Welcome to another episode of the Sport Industry Access Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bowers. If you haven't already checked out my free sports career course, I highly recommend that you do. In seven days, you'll be able to understand how to apply your education into a career in the sports industry after university. So go to education2sport.com and sign up today. Now, as always, my goal each week is to provide you an interview with a special guest who is a sports professional in a specific field in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in sports science. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Dr. Jeff Spencer. Jeff is a retired Olympic athlete keynote speaker, author and high performance coach. During his career, Jeff competed as an elite cyclist during the 1972 Munich Olympics. I can happily say that it's a privilege to have Jeff as a special guest on the show. That's why in today's episode, Jeff will share his sports career journey and explain the importance of goal clarity. Jeff, it's great to have you on the show. Please could you share your sports career journey to listeners? When did it all start? Well, when I was seven years old, I wanted to become an Olympian to march into the stadium in the opening day uh, parade and the ceremony there. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. So when I was 11, I showed some amazing talent on a bicycle. So I decided, okay, um, I want to become an Olympian because I was working in a bike shop and a guy came in that had a t-shirt that said USA Olympic team on it. And when I saw that t-shirt, I wanted the t-shirt. And to get the T-shirt, you had to do it the old-fashioned way. You had to become an Olympian. And I went home, and I took out my colored pens, and I got a thick piece of paper, and I drew my plan on how I was going to do it. I was going to be brave. I was going to work hard, and I was never going to make an excuse. And I was going to give myself 10 years to do it. And uh, 10 years later, uh, I was an Olympian. And, um, you know, that part of my history has served me uh, very well. So that was the athletic side of it. Would you mind explaining that plan in a bit more detail? Because if I'm correct, elite, it was elite cycling. It wasn't professional then. Would you mind explaining to the listeners during your time it was being an elite athlete without being paid? When I created the plan, I was 11 years old. And I said, I'm going to do this and because I saw a guy that had the T-shirt. And I wanted the T-shirt. <laughs> and uh, I, I knew that I needed a plan. And the plan had to be specific to me on what I thought had to go right. And for me, number one, I had to work really hard. I had to uh, never make an excuse. And I had to be brave. Those were the three things that occurred to me at 11 that I needed to do to become an Olympian. And I gave myself 10 years for the Munich Olympics because that seemed like the most reasonable target. And then I went through, a, obviously, a, an evolutionary 
process over 10 years to get to the place where I could actually perform at the Olympic level. And then I did uh, win the Olympic trials and qualify and then become an Olympian. So it was very arduous. It was very tedious, but that's a perfect reflection of my tenacity and, and my personality. And while I was uh, going through all of those different processes and chapters to become an Olympian, I was also uh, a student at the University of Southern California where I was uh, studying sports science. I was between my junior and sophomore year. I was also doing art, glass, sculpture, which I was very good at. So there were three balls in the juggling act going simultaneously that I believe facilitated me becoming really good at every one of those. I feel that if you're too focused on one thing, it's not possible to stay engaged at the level that's necessary. And you can't accelerate or get to someplace faster than you can naturally evolve into. Uh, so that worked very well for me. Just looking back during your time during the Munich Olympics, did you have any sports science support, such as a psychologist or physiotherapist out of interest? Not really, uh, because they really felt like, I don't need a psychologist. I mean, it's really up to me to show up and get the job done. And that's all part of the preparation. You know, As you're preparing, you surround yourself with the best that have proven themselves to be able to get to where you want to go. I had a an amazing coach, five-time national champion, three-time Olympian, and he was my counsel. He was my guide that showed me how to craft a body that could perform at that level, and he also uh, schooled me on how to develop the mindset to be able to endure the process to get there, how to engage it once you're in the heat of battle, and then on the other side of it, how do you convert forward and create the same level of success in other areas of your life. Out of interest, how have you seen the Olympics developed relating to when you performed, looking back now? Well, it's quite different because at that point you were truly an amateur. You didn't get any financial assistance. You had to find your way there, uh, which I think with that and the level of, of formalized training and the expertise in diet, nutrition, and all the other elements was not as sophisticated as it is now. So that would probably be the most uh, distinguishing difference between then and now, but the human part of that still remains the same. There is still the mental strengths and weaknesses that have to be addressed to be able to close the gap between where you are and the readiness to be able to perform at that level. Just from an industry perspective, have you seen professional sport have an impact now? Like back in your day, you didn't have social media with regards to the engagement. Have you seen that development? I, I, well, it's been obviously even in the last, let's talk about the last 10 years. I mean, when I was growing up, there were no computers. You know, I was 45 when the first computers came out. So again, it's night and day. But I think what's critical about this is that, you know, how do we use the platform uh, for the force of good to be able to demonstrate paths forward to live lives of extraordinary achievement and contribution? And to me, that's the biggest thing, that there's a responsibility attached to being of service to other people through media channels. I think to, to tickle people's ears and be amusing and entertaining, I don't think that's enough. I mean, that's just like fluff and filling that doesn't take anybody any place. It just keeps people lateral. I really believe that 
everything we do and everything that we say needs to be uh, a testimony to our commitment to honor our talents and also as an opportunity to show other people what's possible and if there's ever time in human history where we need examples of what it takes to be able to manifest a life of purpose and meaning uh, in today's world that looks like it can't descend fast enough into levels of mediocrity uh, that strip us of everything that make us unique and what our human potential and why we're here on this earth. I think that needs to be uh, in the forefront of every consideration, every moment. Just going back to your educational journey, what inspired you to study sports science and how has it supported you now? It was a natural because uh, being interested in athletics my whole life and kinetic movement and because I have a curious mind, uh, I uh, am a big fan of understanding and I'm a student of uh, process and have a natural interest in, in learning about things and connecting dots to explore what's possible. That was a, a natural for me and uh, sports science being the medium was a natural connection to where I was and how I was uh, preparing for the Olympics. It was a perfect fit and how it you know, served me well is that um, it was the uh, kind of foundational connection between me and what I do now, which is to be a, a very high level advisor to people in all disciplines to get to the top of their game and uh, become iconic and uh, contribute dramatically to the world and live lives of passion and purpose. And uh, that was the, the germination point from that. And uh, off of that, I did get my master's degree in sports science as well. I uh, worked with very high level people in business and in sport that wanted to become Olympians and champions in business. And they came to me for advice on how to do that. And out of that came uh, an interest in healthcare. So I kind of moved in and got my chiropractic uh, degree to become a primary healthcare provider so that I had this unique ability to really look at the individual in their entirety and craft a path forward, uh, looking at all the parts that needed to be there and what proportion unique to them to be able to be a peak performer, whether it be business on stage in life itself in athletics, it, it really didn't matter. So that's really the connection there. What you're talking about also relates to today's main topic. How important is goal clarity? Well, that's everything. I mean, there's, there's certainly no shortage of uh, goal setting programs out there. And it kind of goes like, you know, you set your goal, you believe you can get there. And as long as you believe it, you can get there. And, you know, th that's a great example of the 80-20 rule. 20% uh, of the people get there, 80% don't following that prescription. It's really a reversal of what you think it is. And so you cannot will yourself to a place that you don't have the skill to get to. Not possible. And so one of the discoveries for me in my process is that, yeah, goal setting is the first place. That's kind of the easiest place. That's like programming into the GPS, you know, the destination, correct? Well, so what's missing? You know, what's missing is where am I and what's the path for me to get there? And so I realized from the work that I did with the people crafting their paths forward that there was a completely other way of doing this. Is that what I call the gap model, meaning that we're here and the goal is where we want to get to and there's a space between us and them that we call the gap. The traditional idea is just work harder, outwork anybody, and if you want it bad enough, you're going to get there. And again, 20% of the people do, 80% of the people don't. And 80 or 90% of people that I know 
all have goal frustration. They know they're capable of more, but they just can't get there no matter what they do. And to me, part of the major flaw in that is really the model. And what I discovered in my process, you know, I've been in the high performance world for, you know, 55 years, including my stint as a high performer. And my advisory capacity has been a little over 40 years. And I discovered that the gap is not an empty space. It's not a void to be traversed. It's actually uh, where a living, breathing, holistic system sits. It's made up of two divisions and 10 steps. And if we follow the 10 steps in progression, then we can consistently and predictably achieve our uh, most important goals on a regular basis. It becomes our normal. So then that really is an 80-20 rule where 80% of the people actually do achieve at that level, 20% don't for like whatever reason. Was that the reason what inspired you to set up your own website? Well, the website that I have right now is really a personal branding site. And um, that's really to introduce people to who I am because there's been a lot of interest in me. And it's like, well, you know, why do people like you too? And, uh, you know, some of the people that uh, play at that level, Hitachi in the corporate world, why do they come to you? And so I put that out there just as a means of kind of describe me and my methodology, et cetera. But, you know, my personal interest in this whole thing is to really uh, help people that are suffering from goal frustration, provide them with a model and a path to be able to manifest big and make that their normal rather than the occasional uh, exception. And so right now, that's in an evolutionary process as well, is that uh, some things will be coming out uh, in the not too distant future that will uh, allow people to gain access to things that I've done for the high performers where they can use to become their own high performer. So that's the motivation there. And, and let me back up and say here is that you mentioned about goal clarity. To me, goal clarity is the very first thing that anybody should do because when we have clarity on our goal, it does several things. It, it unifies our mind, body, and soul. It gives it gives them a target to actually name and aspire to. And, and they don't like ambiguity. And when we have goal clarity, we also have a unique type of focus called GOCUS. That's what I call it, where you can have intense cone of focus on actions that need to get complete now to be able to advance the process and progress towards your goal achievement. But it also simultaneously gives you a peripheral awareness of what's happening in the periphery. And why that's relevant is many times better options that can improve the goal show up in the periphery. But if we're hyper focus, we can't see it because we're too focused. Or there may be a blind side forming in the periphery that's going to take us out of the game. It's a train wreck in the making. But if we don't see it because we're hyper-focused, then it could take us out of the game, which to me is preventable. So really, clarity is everything. The more clear we are, the less risk of deviation going from, well, this is what I think it is, to being 20% off course you know, within a couple of months, and all of a sudden you're going backwards. Another reason why clarity is important is that um, our level of clarity emits a beacon of that clarity to all of those people that we interface with. And it's a silent language that's speaking to them that they sense and they feel about us. And when we're clear, then they're clear on what we're clear on. We attract into our life those people, places, and things that have that resonance. But if we're not clear and we're fuzzy, well, we're going to collect and we're going to attract fuzzy into our life. And many people wake up every day. It's like, I don't understand why this is my ambition, but yet why am I surrounded by all this stuff that's not me? And, and part of it's because of lack of goal clarity. 
Just out of interest, what you said I find really interesting. Just for the listeners listening in how to tackle that. For example, I do I write down my goals every morning just to have that clarity. Is there any other techniques you use to make sure you you're focused but also look at the bigger picture as well? Well, that's what my model, the goal achievement roadmap, is really all about. I think daily goals are really like micro projects that advance things forward that or a subset of a, of a broader goal that's a target to actually get to. And I feel that we need a method that allows us to be able to make sure that the goal that we're pursuing first off is the right goal. You know, everybody talks about the smart goal, but everybody that I know that performs at the highest level, they don't want the smart goal. They want to make sure it's the right goal. And so I've actually created a process that's called the right goal. Each of the letters in right stands for part of that process by which we can expose or challenge our presumed goal against to really flush it out, to make sure that it's really what we think it is and have the clarity so that our mind, body, and soul can commit to it. So uh, the, the right goal's the way the champions do it. How can people interact with what you're saying? Is it all on the website? Because as I said to you when we first met, I find your newsletters fantastic anyway. Would you mind just explain to the listeners a bit more in detail how to get involved in that? Sure. Well, thank you. Well, sir, first off, the first thing is to go to my website, www.drjeffspencer.com. That's D-R-J-E-F-F-S-P-E-N-C-E-R.com, drjeffspencer.com. And then when you get to the homepage, the very first place that you land on, there will be a little arrow below my picture that says gain access to this white paper. And if you just go there for the white paper, it's uh, how to perform, how not to blow it just before you perform well. And put your name and address in there and you'll get an email responder that will put you on my list that will gain you access to my blogs my podcasts, and then the weekly little paragraphs that I write called blips that share with you what I'm thinking and what my insights are in terms of how do you get to the top of your game, but most importantly, how do you stay there? So that's the first resource. That is great. Honestly, guys, it's worth signing up. It's helped me without a doubt the last four months. Just going back to your career now, what have you been up to recently? My primary um, interface with uh, people is really to be what I call a corner man, which is a, a level of advisory that addresses the comprehensive person as a composite of both their personal and their professional life. And that singular composite of us uh, has a trajectory and a momentum behind it that's taking us someplace. And I know exactly where that's going to land because that's my skill. And we just make sure that where it's going to land is where you think it's going to land or where you want it to land, because it may not be. A lot of people have ambitions and ideas and thoughts that, that pan out quite differently than they presume it will. And I think you can actually take hold of the steering wheel and you can avoid preventable problems. But to do that, you really have to know where you are first and foremost in the process. You have to know what's coming to avoid preventable problems and be ready to seize best opportunities. And you have to be able to appropriately uh, pace yourself to get from one place to the next to make sure you don't stumble and fall. 
and create a preventable stall that you may never recover from. And so that's really what I do. And it's non-denominational. I've helped athletes win gold medals. I've helped uh, businesses exponentially grow. I've helped thought leaders move to the next level. So the, the discipline doesn't matter to me. It's the, the expertise of what pencil sharpener should I use? What color should I use for this? Well, we can find an expert to figure that out. But the, the thing that people really need to understand here is that the plan is not the path. The plan looks like a path because it's made up of progressive sequential parts, but it's not the path. The plan gets executed on the path. For example, if I want to drive to a friend's house, the plan is to get in the car, make a right turn here, left turn there, stop at the stoplight, go on green, and then I'll eventually get to the house. But that process takes place on the streets, <laughs> which is the path. And so if the streets aren't maintained enough, or I can't negotiate them, then I can't get to the destination no matter how good the plan is. And so for me, I help uh, high performers, and this method will also be available to other people shortly, on how to create the path to execute your plan on so you can consistently and predictably get to your goals and make that your normal rather than your occasional exception. Jeff, just on a personal note, what have you enjoyed the most from your sports career journey, looking back to that young kid who wanted that T-shirt? The most important thing for me uh, is to see other people succeed because of my sharing with them what I've learned from that process to shortcut their ability to become their own champion. You know, I'm the guy that would rather sit in the back row with the T-shirt rather than in the front row with the official team uniform on and get the accolades. I could care less. You know, what I want to see, I want to see a smile from someone that's confident in their ability to execute their plans to achieve their goals. That's great to hear, Jeff. And I feel like we're at a great stage of the interview where I'd like to finish with an inspirational question. What advice would you give to university or college sports students who want to pursue a career in the sports industry? It depends on if you want to be an athlete or you want to be a support person. And so as a blanket statement, if you want to become an athlete, then surround yourself with those people that only speak at altitude and carry values and have an irrepressible capacity for finding the best advice they can get and have the capacity to be able to implement it and be a good appreciative steward of the opportunity to do that. And while you're doing that, also know that careers all end and be mindful of what may be on the other side of that. So you're not taken by surprise at the vacuum that you may find yourself encountering after the professional or the high level amateur career basically is over. Um, I would also say that it's a myth to think that you spend 24 hours a day preparing for something. It's not possible because there's not enough brain power to do that. And the brain needs recovering. So while you're not engaging in something, don't force yourself to do more of that. You need recovery to build the body and mind back up to a higher level to perform at the highest level, but have some other discipline involved in it. That's why to me, school and athletics go hand in hand because while the body is idle and recovering, the mind can be active, building itself and fortifying itself to be a better problem solver. So a perfect example of this is that um, I helped a, a cyclist here in the U.S. 
and all things being equal, he and two other, three other guys had the same ability to potentially win the national championship. And I said, you know, doing more training isn't going to get you there, you know, because they're already doing everything that you can do with this coach. And I said, he told me, well, I, I played the violin as a kid for my first 10 years. And I said, okay, well, that's the secret here. Get out your violin, play your violin, because the violin is going to make you a better cyclist. You know, what's the connection here? Well, there's rhythm, there's pacing, there's joy, there's happiness that are all elements that are necessary to become a better performer, like on the bike, and he won the national championship. So that's the athlete side. If you want a career uh, in the athletic world as a physical trainer, as a psychologist, as a coach, as an administrator, I suggest that you investigate all of those to figure out which one has the greatest gravity for you. And you find a mentor in those areas that you may academically study to become that, but as importantly, spend time shadowing people that are actually doing it, going to where they're doing it, experiencing what it's really like, so there is no illusion about the reality of what that is to make sure that that's really what you want. Are the hours, do they work for you? Do the people that you're around resonate and draw out the best in you? Financially, is it consistent with what your needs are to live the lifestyle that you aspire to? Those are all critical issues that absolutely have to be there. And be tenacious and just know that Maybe the early years, you feel like, I don't understand why. Why do I have to study a second language to become a coach? Well, because it makes you a better you. That's why. And it's all part of the process of going through the ritual of formal education to then start to really learn the process at an intimate level once you've gra graduated and moved into the workforce. But please make sure that you shadow, spend time where you want to go so you live the experience so you know what it's like, and it's what you anticipate it being. Jeff, that is absolutely great, and I really do hope the listeners take that on board. How can people interact with you online? Well, the best way to get in touch with me would be through my website, and kind of the universal way to get in touch with me is jeff at drjeffspencer.com, and that will go to my executive assistant. Even more importantly, you're getting the best of what I've got every week, by enrolling, by going to the web page and putting your email address in there so that you're going to be getting my blog, my blips, and my blog and my um, podcast. Because what I'm sharing with you is exactly the same thing that I do to help people win gold medals, to make millions of dollars and move to the next level in whatever space that is. And that would be almost like a personal tutorial that you're getting from me uh, as a commitment back to you for the gifts that were given to me by other people that helped me become what I did become and without them, it would have never happened. Jeff, that is great. To all the listeners listening in, there will be a link to Jeff's website. Jeff, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ed. Always a pleasure. And just please, everybody always remember is that there's always room at the top for the best. And there's only one of you in all the creation. And that gives you a unique opportunity to do some extraordinary things. So good luck onward and upward, and we'll see you on the road. What a fascinating sports career journey from Jeff. And I really do hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. For me personally, I felt very humbled to sit there, listen and ask questions to Jeff during our chat, because without a doubt, 
I know 1972, that Munich Olympics may seem a long time ago, but really in years it isn't that long ago with regards to sporting history. And to see how sports developed from very amateur basis to where it is now, even in the Olympic movement, you know, athletes have that support, especially at financial support, depending on the countries and their funding schemes they provide for their athletes. But back in Jeff's day, it was very individual. If they want to make it happen, they had to put in the graft, not just on the sports field, but also off the sports field by doing two to three jobs. And it sort of leads to today's podcast topic that to make that happen for Jeff, he had to put a goal setting scheme in place. But to dedicate 10 years, goal clarity indicates why it's so important. And I hope now with regards to your sports career ambitions, you can apply that to your sports career journey. And it's it's vital. I do it every day. And it's the reason why I keep having that motivation to keep interviewing people, keep building my brand and education to sport. And it's something that I hopefully now by listening to this interview, you can apply to your life, not just your career ambitions, but also family ambitions, financial ambitions, all of these elements in life is so important to our life cycle, shall we say. And I hope now you've got a better understanding that setting goals is important, but having that clarity at the same time is vital. So all the best in what you're doing. Set fantastic goals to your sports career ambitions and good luck and make sure you always have that clarity as well. Now, as always, at the end of each interview, I like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Jeff says... Always remember there is always room at the top for the best. There is only one of you in all creation. That gives you unique opportunity to do extraordinary things. 